Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. All right. You guys are feeling good? A lot of green out there. Hopefully there's some green in your soul this morning. And uh, let's pray. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, God, for your word. God, we pray that you would open it up to us and speak through your Holy Spirit to our hearts in ways that only you can. That no human voice could speak, but God, your spirit is going to speak to us here this morning. And God, we thank you, God, for your word and your spirit as you guide us in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, wrapping up this series. We, the last few weeks, well, since Easter, we've been looking at Jesus' life and looking at the different types of people that Jesus interacted with and ministered to. So, of course, we kind of started off with the disciples. You've got to start with those guys, his inner crew. And uh, we looked at what Jesus taught them. We'll kind of circle back with that later. Then we looked at uh, the Pharisees and the religious establishment during Jesus' day their self-righteousness that had blinded them to the truths of the gospel and who Jesus was. Jesus had specific messages for these guys. And usually it's the, it's the most um, righteous anger part of Jesus that we see in the gospels is he's righteously irritated at the religious establishment that had uh, kept the people in darkness, kept them obeying the rules yet missing the whole point of the story of God. And so he was, Jesus was trying to uh, call them back into the fold through a strong message, uh, calling out their hypocrisy and then bringing them back into, through repentance into uh, God's ways. And so we also looked at women, how Jesus on Mother's Day, we looked how Jesus elevated women and made them equal in the kingdom work of God's new kingdom. Uh, but we didn't, we didn't even cover yet, uh, there was, there was a, an aspect of the family. Uh, uh, we, Jesus ministered to his family in a very unique way. It's kind of shocking. Um, and uh, there was also Gentiles. The Gentiles, we didn't uh, discuss the Gentiles, Jesus' interactions with the Gentiles. But uh, hopefully you got all, a lot out of this. Um, I know for me, uh, one of the things that having going through it um, one of the things that I glean from as a follower of Jesus is that his word and his spirit are our training ground in this life. Continual. This isn't just an initial boot camp right when you begin, you know, serving the Lord and you might go through a little foundations book like our Kingdom Living One book and then you get done and it's like, man, I'm good. I got the foundations. That's kind of how my old man used to roll. Uh, he grew up in Clay Center, Kansas. Uh, grew up in the Great Depression. Um, he uh, quite well off, but he would consistently go into the Payless Sue Source. Sue, wow, Payless Shoe Source. Slow down on that. But he wore a size nine shoe. But if the size eight shoe was on discount, he'd throw his feet in the eight for six months. I mean, uh, but <laughs> that my dad was kind of the of the of the and, and and a lot of people I found in the Great Depression era. It's like I don't want to bother God. Like, I know kind of the story. I know Jesus came to die for us, and, but it's like, I got, I, got the, I got the basics. 
and I'm living off the basics. And I don't want to really bother God because my life isn't all that important and just kind of like, and he just kind of remained a benched Christian most of his life. And so it's like as we read the Gospels, it's like, man, God, there's, there's so much wisdom and knowledge that I don't have in my system yet. And so as we read his word and as the Spirit illuminates his word to our life, in our life, for very specific things, God begins to transform who we are. And we begin to become made in the image of his dear son. So we looked at how did Jesus teach his disciples? What did he impart to them? They observed him for almost a year. Jesus let his disciples just kind of follow him and watch him do what he did to bring God's kingdom. But then, after about a year, he turns to his disciples and he goes, hey, I'm giving you the same authority. Now go and do the things that I've been doing. Huh. And you see his disciples do the exact same thing that Jesus is doing. When he goes and he dies, he's crucified and resurrects, and the Spirit is poured out on this new young church of Jesus Christ, they begin to do the same thing that Jesus did in his ministry. But fast forward 20 centuries, and the I always kind of find it interesting, it's like, we are born, it's kind of like we're, we're just dropped into the middle of an ongoing story. And it takes us a while to say, what in the world is going on around me? Have you, have you ever experienced that? Where it's like, what in the world kind of world is this? What kind of like culture is this? And what are some other cultures? And it takes a little while for you to kind of get your bearings as to kind of what kind of life did God just drop you in the middle of? And it's on us to kind of get our bearings and say, God, what is the time and season for which you've built me, you've put me in? And that God would waken us, open up our eyes to say, I, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, is still access to you in the 21st century. That same spirit, that brings miracles, that brings gospel transformation, that brings life and justice and truth, that same spirit is alive and well. And through his word, his spirit awakens his kingdom in our life. It's so exciting. And as a follower of Jesus, we're not here because we're a follower of good morals. We're not here because we just want the peaceful life. We're here because we're followers of Jesus. And we're saying, God, how are you asking us to live? What are you calling us to do? Uh, I don't know if you remember this cartoon. Um, everybody remember this? It's a little, it, it only went from 95 to 98. So this, uh, it was on the WB, and there was a cartoon called Pinky and the Brain. Pinky and the Brain. Now, Pinky and the Brain, there was a similar line every episode of Pinky and the Brain. And Pinky is kind of the, the brain, obviously. You can tell who the brain is. The brain, he wants to take over the world every day. And Pinky's his little minion assistant. And so Pinky's like, hey, Brain, what are we going to do tomorrow night? He goes, we're going to take over the world. And it's, you know, rats trying to take over the world. And it's kind of funny. But, but there is this kind of spirit, I believe, that God put inside of all of us with that same, not through power, but through, I want to make a difference in the world. I want to make a difference in this life. 
And I believe that that's a heart cry that God put in us because it's in all of us. Now, it can be muted. It can be calloused over. I guarantee you, at some point in your life, you had that thought, I want to change the world. And yet, we realize that as life hits us and reality hits us, I, as a one person, may not be able to change the world. But if I invite Christ into my life, he can change my world. And as he changes your world, as he begins to overflow with who he is and who he says you are and who he says you're made for, that image begins to come alive and you begin to be who God's called you to be and made you to be since the beginning of time. Oh, it's so good. So doing what he does. Oh, I will say this. Time in the Word. There was a study, Gallup did a study about Uh, eight years ago, and uh, they looked at believers, people who said that they were a Christian, and they asked them, uh, it was a big, long survey, but a substrat of the questions in there were, uh, how often do you read your Bible? And so uh, they, they, from the information they gathered, they got a massive revelation in what they found. A person that kind of goes, reads the Bible once a week, and let's, that counts as like a Sunday morning. That would kind of count as this. If they get in the Bible once a week, there's not much change in their life. If they get into the Bible twice a week, there's not much change in their life. If they get in the Bible three times, there's not much. But something shifts at four. If someone's in the Bible four times a week, tremendous things happen about their anxiety, about their overall health, about, about their, their feeling of being anchored in this life, not, not, not thrown to and fro. I feel a little more uh, confident. The confidence, that was huge. Confidence went up like 80, 90% because people were in the... So it's like, let God speak to you every day. There's no reason you should live a 24-hour period without you interacting with the God who made you. Amen? doing what he does, learning. I still need to learn how to interact with crowds. Jesus was perfect. It was almost like when you read the Gospels, it's like, man, every interaction Jesus had with people, it was like perfect. He said the exact right thing. He, he knew when to pull out the, like, the driver on the Pharisees, but he knew to pull out the putter with the woman caught in adultery. It's like the way he was able to kind of move and flow with people if that doesn't intrigue you, I hope it does, of like, Jesus, how did you interact with people? Teach me how to interact with people. Because the same, as we kind of, as uh, Brett shared last week, the same crowd that was found around Jesus' day is the same crowd today. Same characteristics. And doing what he does when, when, it, when he elevated women and fight for the image of God to be seen and shown. Come on, church. And then I said about his family, we didn't look at it, but there's this interesting passage in Matthew 12. How did Jesus interact with his family? Uh, Matthew 12, little, little verse here. And Jesus was speaking to the crowd. His mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. This is the Virgin Mary, right? Outside. This is what Jesus said. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my brother and mothers. 
mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my family. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my family. Whoa, tremendous hierarchy of values Jesus has and expresses about the kingdom of God. And so it's really on us to kind of glean all we can from his word while we still have breath in our life. Let this be a summer of the summer of the word. Let this be a summer where you just dive in and you're do I'm going to eat God's word like I have never eaten his word before to shape and mold our lives into the image of his son. Romans 8 says this is a very common verse but we kind of miss the verse after it. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to what? Become like Jesus so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He chose them to become like his son. I sure hope that your standard of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is not the other Jesus followers around you. It's Christ alone. Hebrews 12, it's not up there, but it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he had just, the writer of Hebrews had just kind of gone through kind of the hall of faith, all these heroes of faith, Abraham and Moses and Samson, all these people from the story, the unfolding story of God. And then it pivots and says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of previous generations looking down on our own, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's like, man, let's focus on Jesus. And so Paul captured this. Paul captures this kind of mantle that Jesus gives his disciples this kind of this kind of charge. Jesus gives his disciples a charge. He gives them a charge at Matthew 28, go and make disciples of nations. But then he gives each and every one of us a charge in our own life. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul is writing about what kind of life, that we're, this life of Christ, what does this life of Christ lead us to? And it's tremendous. We're just going to work through this. This is going to be kind of our main text today, and then we'll wrap it up. But 1 Corinthians 5, 14, the Apostle Paul writes, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Another translation, we have stopped looking at each other through eyes of the flesh. And that's really huge. I want us to catch a little bit of this. So much in our culture is training us to see people as groups, as a party, or if an ideology, or a color, or uh, sex, or... And so we've, we, our culture is training us how to see people as groups. But as a follower of Jesus, may that never be. May we see people as God's image bearers, no matter what package they carry around with them. And so he says, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ 
merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. That's interesting. A new person. When a person who's been following their own way, living life as their own God, even though they're probably being manipulated by some other forces, when we come in to the kingdom, and He gives us His Spirit, it says, anything, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. It's like God remakes the human being. God remakes us. So many scientists and technocrats are wanting to remove human nature from humanity. How do you remove human nature? Only can come from the throne of God. Can never. You can never try to uh, leap over our own fallen sinfulness. And as much as we try, we won't get there. Then it says, verse 18, and all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Oh, it's so good. Paul's talking about being an ambassador, being an ambassador of a different kingdom. Man, when I, when, when, when a per, when, when Paul, I'll just speak for Paul, when Paul's like, man, when my life got rescued and, and I was seated, like almost instantaneously, it was like my spirit, it was like seated right at the right hand of the throne of God. That now that I live this life, I live this life and this new life, but I, it's to reconcile others back to the God that I'm now experiencing. I'm now experiencing the freedom that I've never experienced before. i got to tell somebody. I've experienced a calling on my life, a direction that I now know what I'm here to do. i got to tell somebody. Man, God did something really significant in my life. i got to tell somebody. You know, it's very easy for us to have casual conversations in our culture, isn't it? Kind of, hey, how you doing? Fine. How you doing? Fine. And uh, we kind of stay in the shallow end. But I would say God is trying to lead us and train us to take our casual relationships and make them meaningful. Maybe not spiritual, but meaningful. How, do you, how does one kind of originate? How do you share the gospel? It's like, well, they may be not there yet, but at least I can start to know, like, what's their life like? Sometimes we get so in a rush to share Christ, we fail to search the heart. And so when we dive into other people's lives and we get involved in their dirt and their drama and we get in the mix with them, we begin to know, God, this is what they truly need in their life. And I'm going to try to help them. They may be stubborn, but I'm going to try and help them. But he goes on. A lot of times the chapters and the verses weren't added till later, but Paul's thought keeps going. He says this, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous, wait, 
We beg you. Oh, I get it. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, it's so good. God's call on our life is to be an ambassador of a different kingdom in the world that we don't look to for life. We look to our home country for all of life and godliness and everything that we need for life in this life. He goes on. I want to read this. I feel spurred by the Lord. This, this thought keeps going. The Apostle Paul says this. It's not up there. Um, he says, we try to live in such a way that no one will be hindered from finding the Lord by the way we act. So no one can find fault in our ministry. In everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles, hardships, calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, put in jail, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, and gone without food. We have proved ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, our sincere love, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We have faithfully preached the truth. God's power has been working in us. And then this last line. We have righteousness as our weapon, both to attack and to defend ourselves. That line, we use righteousness as a weapon, both to attack and to defend ourselves. If you signed up for the church history class, one of the things you'll kind of learn is that whenever a righteous move of God, whenever the whenever that righteous move of God begins to start doing the things the rest of the world does, it's the beginning of the end. And so God's call on us is that we too wouldn't compromise to what we see around us, that we too would stand strong and firm no matter what messaging we're getting just blasted at us that, no, 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 you and I, we are sons and daughters of the living God. He is king. And we are made in his image. There's image bearers all over, for all different varieties, because God loves variety. But it's our job to say, God, you've put me with a job, with a family, in a neighborhood, in a city, with very specific purpose and intention. God, waken me up to what that intention is. But we use righteousness as our weapon, both to attack and to defend ourselves. Amen? All right, so let's grow our faith to see God do what he does in and around us. Jesus shaped the disciples' thinking. He brought an upside-down kingdom. Jesus showed them the ways of the kingdom. God wants to reveal the ways of the kingdom to you more than you understand today. And Jesus sent them out on the same mission. As we looked about that, Jesus prays, God, I pray that you wouldn't take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. I'm sending them out with my authority, with my gospel that can see people set free, the only gospel that can see people set free, and I'm going to endue them with power from my Holy Spirit, and I'm going to give them a word that has the authority to bring the change that your heart cries when we say, I want to change the world. It only comes through the meditating on, through the walking out 
through the living by the Word and the Spirit kind of life. And we have some major battles, I would say, in this and coming generations. Some major battles. And I pray, it's our, it's our heart cry here at City Life. God, let us have, let us be a people that has a bandwidth to be leaders, mothers and fathers, spiritual mothers and fathers to the next generation. God, endue us with your power, with your message, with your word. So I pray, that, and part of my prayer from this message is, let this be a word summer. Let this be the summer that where you just start eating the word like you've never eaten the word before because God is training and equipping you to be who he's made you to be in this generation, and he wants to see that expressed. All right, amen. Well, let me pray for us, and then I want to plug these classes one more time. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can look to him. Thank you that we can fix our eyes on him. Thank you for redeeming us, setting us free. God, if, we've, if there's any of us here that have yet to be set free by you, that are yet to experience the freedom that only you can bring. God, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Father, if there's any of us here that aren't fully all in with you, God, I pray that today would be the day. And God, that we would say, God, I'm all in. God, I repent of my excuses of why I didn't give you my all, but God, today is a new day. And my old life is gone, and the new life is coming. Lord, I pray that today I give you my whole heart, I give you my whole life. Do with it as you please, in Jesus' name. And Father, for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you would put in us a vision of what it means to be an ambassador for your kingdom, an ambassador, a representative of a whole different world, a world that we're made for, and a world that our hearts are crying out, let it be expressed on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, you're using us to do that. And, Lord, I pray that you would raise our confidence, raise our understanding of you, that we can be your people. Lord, thank you for this community. God, I thank you for friends in our life that call us out. God, I thank you for friends of faith. Lord, I pray that we would surround ourselves with friends of faith. God, friends that will call faith out of us, that will call the good out of us, that sees the treasure in us and says, man, Today is the day. You can't go another day without expressing that. So come on. God, I pray that we would be your church in mighty ways, in ways that are led by your spirit and word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.